Well, hello, everyone, and good morning to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some music while we allow people to join us online, as well as uh, others that are coming here into our audience here in church. Uh, Wes Morgan, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. You're going to recognize this song very quickly. I've had my share. Yes. Of lights, ups and downs. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. God's been so good to me. And the downtimes, they've been few. And by the way, I noticed this morning that Facebook changed the settings again just to find a way to make a post. I figured it out. It's almost like Instagram. They did something different, too. It's too much maneuvering. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Song out. I know. 
Good morning. Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you for being here. Amen. Well, they're breaking it down. We're probably going to go ahead and stop there because they're going to keep going for a while. That's the way it goes, though. That was Wes Morgan. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. That is uh, music for this morning. And Greg, thanks for being here this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, we appreciate everyone being here in, in the audience here in church this morning, as well as those of you online. We could not do this without you. We appreciate your uh, just dialing in and just wanting to get closer to the Lord in his word. We appreciate you doing that very much. Um, Let's go ahead and do some announcements before we get started with Sunday School, because we have a few things to cover in today's passage. Nothing, it's not a lengthy passage, but just some things we want to cover that we want to have some good takeaways from this particular Sunday School lesson today. Uh, I think when we look at who Jesus declares he, that he, who he is and just getting a grasp as to what that really means for all of us. Um, first of all, uh, following um, on the timeline here for Sunday School will be a message online for those of you who are not uh, available to come to church today in Akron. For those of you who are out of town, uh, the message, a history lesson, will be available online on the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline. And that will be coming up. Uh, it will be posted, I think, officially around 1015, but uh, if everything goes right, we can try to set up those posts uh, posts automatically. That's what happens. Uh, but that'll be available on the timeline here uh, immediately following the conclusion of Sunday School. Just look for it and you'll find it. For those of you in Akron, that'll be the message for us here this week on Sunday as well, too, a history lesson. And please remember your tithes and offerings. Uh, we appreciate you taking consideration the fact that we still have a church to run. <laughs> we still have things to take care of here. We still have uh, utilities to take care of, but we also want to make sure that we're doing what we can to at a moment's notice, provide the benevolent portion uh, for anyone who has a need that we can indeed provide that as well, too. So uh, please remember your tithes and offerings. If you are mailing your tithes and offerings to us, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road in Akron, Ohio, 44320. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And with that, I believe we are ready to get now into the Sunday School lesson. We have, again, thank you for your prayers, your ongoing prayers for Pastor Gus and keeping him in prayer and lifting him up. Uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, not forgetting. We want to always remember him as often as possible just to lift him up in prayer. Still has some things to work through um, and get some conclusions made from the doctors and all that. So... Keep them in prayer uh, all week, and we'll 
Uh, obviously, as we get more information, we can uh, provide uh, the bare essentials, really, and have you just keep praying. Just keep them in prayer. And um, let's go ahead, since we started with prayer, talking about prayer, let's go ahead and just get into prayer right now. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to now tr- just trust in your word and listen to you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Spirit is what we have before us to help us to gain knowledge and from that wisdom and understanding of your word. And we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you that where more than two are gathered, you are present and we rely upon that, Lord. We need you, Lord, to just continue to just show yourself to us as we move forward in life. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching and we thank you for your presence. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, let's turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 8. We're going to go back to John chapter 8 and go to verses 48 through 59. John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. And this is the passage where Jesus is still having this conversation where he is still in conflict with the religious leaders. And that's just because... The religious leaders don't want to see Jesus succeed in anything. They want to see him fail. They want to try to find a way to make an accusation of him. They want to try to, and they do that, they want to do that to try to assail his character. That's essentially what is is taking place here. And what you'll find is that in this passage, you're going to see that, and you're going to look at that, um, and recognize that sometimes when we get into discussions or conflicts with other people, when people can't really accuse you of anything, then you just try to insult the other person. <laughs> so, um, because you know you were losing the argument, right? That's basically what happens here in this passage. But there's more than that. So let's go ahead and look at it and go back over it. Starting in John chapter 8, verse 48. Once again, this is the New Living Translation. The people retorted, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Verse 49, no, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. Verse 51, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Verse 52, the people said, now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, but you say anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. Verse 57, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Verse 58, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was ever born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. 
And we can conclude the fact that he was hidden because it wasn't time. Um, those are the little things that you see throughout the passage that take place to recognize that it was not time yet for Jesus to go to the cross or be crucified. Uh, he was hidden away at that point. Now, I can't even pretend to tell you how that would happen um, other than the fact that Jesus had to have done something, some sort of a smokescreen, some sort of a uh, way of just disappearing. He was hidden away, and then he was able to go leave the temple, get right past him. Um, that's how that all works. So that's something that, of course, God has total control over what's happening. You have to notice he has total control over the timing of Jesus going to the cross. And that is what we have to recognize here. OK, let's go back to the top. And so what is Jesus doing here in this passage? He is revealing to us that he is eternal. He is giving us information to show that he is an eternal. He is eternal. And that verse in verse 58 before abraham was even born i am that makes a statement that he was around before abraham was even born and that's a very clear statement that the that the uh, pardon me the um the the people who are fighting against him the uh, uh, uh the philippians those into not the philippians the the people who are uh the pharisees the ones who are fighting against him, they're the ones who are looking for him to say something to try to uh, wreck his credibility. And that's why they, when they heard him say that, it was eternal, they wanted to pick up stones to throw against him. Let's go back to the top. Verse 48. The people retorted, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Now, you have to understand, this is, follows the dialogue from the last time we were getting together about how Jesus was declaring who he was and how they were liars and how they were just not uh, in any way, shape, or form being sincere about who they were. And we need to see that the Samaritan devil comment, first of all, this is what I was referring to earlier about how when you have nothing to say against somebody, the last thing you got is insults. So they would rather just insult him, which really doesn't damage the, the, the character of Jesus because Jesus is who he is. But the fact that you're going to call him a Samaritan and a devil at the same time, for if you're Jewish, that's a big insult. That's just the, the ultimate insult, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's the worst form of playing the dozens uh, as far as this concerned here. Uh, when you're looking at that, you're going to call him a Samaritan and a devil because Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other. Uh, there was an ongoing relationship, non-relationship between the two. And... Why does Jesus have to be possessed by a demon? That's the whole thing. So you have to understand that they had nothing left except insults. They had to come up with ridicule. Um, J. Vernon McGee writes, when he was on a debate team, if you have nothing left to do, there's no logical answer to do, then you're just going to go ahead and result to ridicule. You're going to ridicule the other point. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're saying. You're all, but you're all losing. Those are losing arguments, right? You don't have anything that you're doing that's beneficial here. You're not really making a case that's really you know, assassinating Jesus' character. So understand something, too. These Pharisees are all about hatred. It's all about hate. But Jesus is all about love, even in this conflict. And he's telling him the love. He's talking about love and truth. He really wants these Pharisees to 
listen to him and accept him for who he is. Verse 49, no, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Every word that Jesus is speaking here is a word or words of love and truth. And we as believers need to make sure we're doing the exact same thing. In spite of conflict, in spite of potential persecution, we have to stay in love and stay in the truth because we're talking about serving an eternal God and recognizing that Jesus indeed spared us from being eternally separated from him because of what he did on the cross for us. Jesus, according to F.B. Meyer, has robbed uh, the death of its sting. He has destroyed the power of death because of what he did on the cross. And that's why we need to listen to Jesus' words on what he's done for us. Do we have any ability to overcome death on our own? We have no ability to do so whatsoever. We have no power over death whatsoever. And death, a lot of people are fearful of death. Is that a fair statement? A lot of people are fearful of death. Death is going into this other world, this great unknown, except for what we read in Scripture. Except for what we understand what it says in Scripture. And it's going into, honestly, if we look at it for what it really is, when Jesus speaks about death, it's going into a wider and happier existence. Have you ever thought of that? A wider and happier existence. We're going to have new bodies. We're going to have a new way of looking at things. We're not going to be talking about being old anymore. I'm not even sure how we're going to be manifested in heaven. There's a certain age that we're going to be. I have no clue about that. But at the end of the day, it's a totally different existence. A totally different way of existing. And it's an eternal existence. We're set free from this body of mortality... And we are no longer going to be involved with the worldly things, but now we're going to be in a place where things have been made by God. When God says he has a, when Jesus says he has a place prepared for us, we have a place prepared for us that was orchestrated by God himself. He is the one who's doing that for us. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I like what F.B. Meyer says, too. The moment of transition is so desirable for those who really believe in Jesus that it is only comparable to the falling asleep of the tired laborer. You know, when you're working real hard, um, Brother Roger, when you're working real hard at the Chrysler plant and you came home and you were exhausted, there was nothing like that night of uh, that, that moment of rest. When you're ready to crash and just enjoy sleep. And, you know, that's what we have to look forward to. We are going to be at rest with our Savior. For those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the father, let's continue this a little bit. The father glorified his son, glorified Jesus, when he made the attestation at the baptism, when he was being baptized, going further back when Jesus with the spirit coming, dove coming down from heaven, that was an attestation of who Jesus was at that point, glorifying him. And also at the transfiguration, when he went up with Peter and John and the other John, I can't remember who it is right now. But, but that's, that was also a demonstration to them that Jesus was being glorified. And of course, we know there's an ongoing glorification taking place. Baptism, transfiguration, his resurrection is a glorification. He rose from the dead. And then when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, Jesus was being glorified. And there were stages of glorification. That's how he became our high priest. That's how he became who he was. He was elevated to that position by God himself. So we still have yet to see Jesus in his glory. Amen? We have yet to see that. But that is what is promised based upon what we're seeing in his word. And we're going to behold that glory. We're going to see that glory. I want you to take a look at a passage in John chapter 17. Go to John 17. We're going to look at verses 22 I'm going to read 22 through 24. It kind of skips over 23 in the, in the suggestion here, but I'm going to read all of that because you might as well just read it in its continuity. John chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. Now, John chapter 17 is a chapter that we should always come back to at every now and then just to look at what is being done because Jesus is doing a couple of things here. He's praying for himself. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for all believers. And this is the section where he is praying for all believers. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you have given me. This is for all believers. So that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Let me read that again. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. That sounds a little bit better. So that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. What a relationship that we have. Notice how love is the primary phrase here that's being, uh, sentence that's given here about how God operates. He operates in love. We were created because he loved us. He loves us. And Jesus is fulfilling his role for the kingdom that we indeed will be loved and that we are to love him. We're all going to be in this together. 
And I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the world's foundation. What an awesome statement. What an awesome passage that shows how much God truly loves us. And we know about we'll go we'll go back go to it we'll go to it right now and just look at that. You know later on when he talks about in John 8:58 about the I am passage. We're not going to skip ahead to that, but since we're there, go back to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Just for clarity as to where that came from. And if you're reading in your Bible plan right now, if you're following um, the reading, you would be in Exodus right now. And you would have already read this passage uh, about the life of Moses and his ministry and what he's involved in. Exodus 3, verse 14. No, let's read verse 13. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And every Bible that I've ever seen has that in all caps. Amen. All caps. I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So we know that Jesus is making this statement that he is eternal because he is, in fact, God in the flesh. He is the one who is being represented here in the passage we're looking at. And you got to know the Pharisees know what that where that's coming from. When they say I am who when he says I am, they know he's referring directly to that passage in Exodus uh, that we're looking at because they had those scriptures. They had that the Old Testament. Um, so they're recognizing where exactly where it's coming from. So back to verse 51 once again. John 8:51. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Will never die. So now understand that the Pharisees are really not connecting to any of this. He's saying this. And he's referring to this. And there are people, remember, there are people in the audience who do know what Jesus is referring to. And they, and, they, and they want to hear what he has to say. But, of course, when he's saying we'll never die, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death. And But even that physical death is going to be eventually overcome when he goes to the cross and is raised again. He overcame the physical death, but he wants you to make the connection that you're not going to die spiritually if you believe in Jesus. Period. You will experience physical death, but now he's overcome physical death. Oh, death, where is your sting? That's where that comes from. Honestly, we look forward to being with the Lord. That's what Paul was saying, too. You know, I, I would rather be with him, but for now, I've got work to do here. And that really should be our attitude as well, too. We don't know how many days we have, but for the time we have, we want to make the most of it. Amen? We want to make the most of it. 
Now, I don't know if there's some uh, transmission issues online or not, uh, but I would just go out and go back in if you, if you can hear this, uh, if you're having trouble, because it, it looks like, yeah, exactly. My, my bride took care of that. But we're good. It looks like we're still on as far as I'm concerned. Amen. So notice that those who follow Jesus are going to be raised eternally to live with him. That was that whole exercise we went through in John chapter 17, which we'll be getting to later on in the study here. So we will never die. How do you feel about that? That's an awesome thing. We were created to be eternal beings. Does everybody realize that? I don't think you can say that enough. Every person that God created was created to be an eternal being. We're not just here temporarily. Um, we're to exist for a time. And then like Stephen Hawking thinks, when we die, you don't exist anymore. That's not how it is. Because we recognize that if you follow Jesus, you will have an eternity with him. If you don't follow Jesus, you'll be in eternity also as well. But it won't be in a place you want to be. And a lot of people don't recognize that people condemn themselves. It's not that Jesus, Jesus operates out of love. But he also determined if you don't want to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, you've made a decision that you just don't want to follow him. You'd rather follow yourself. You'd rather be your own God. Well, more about that another time. <laughs> Let's go back to John chapter 8, verse 52. The people said, the Pharisees, now we know you are possessed by a demon. No, we don't. But they're going to say it anyway. Even Abraham and the prophets died. Now they brought it up, Abraham. Even Abraham and the prophets die, but you say anyone who obeys my, obeys my teaching will never die. Yeah, they repeated exactly what he said. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Well, he's telling you who he is. He's giving you information as to who he is. He is saying who he is. And... I, I have to keep pointing out the animosity that the Pharisees have. They want to kill him. They want to harm him. Jesus wants to love them and speak truth. So he's listening. Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God. But you don't even know him. I know him. <clears throat> if I said otherwise, I'd be a great as a liar, great as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. And that's the thing. They want to get rid of him. The Pharisees do. And he hasn't done it yet, but he's going to go to the cross to die for even those people who hate him. Even for those who hate him. Even for those who don't care for him, he's dying on the cross for all of us. All of us. Do you believe it when the Lord says in his word 
that he desires for all people to come to a saving knowledge. Now, he wouldn't say that if it wasn't true because he operates in truth. And he does desire for all people to come to a saving knowledge. He does desire that. This comes to mind when Joseph was going up against his brothers and his brothers just hated Joseph because they were jealous of him. You know, he was a he was the father's favorite, you know, uh, Jacob's favorite. Favored him over all the others. And they hated Joseph to the point where they were going to at first they were going to kill him, but they didn't want but Reuben saved that prevented that from happening. Nope, let's just put him in a ditch somewhere. Let's put him in a cistern and then we'll pretend that an animal, you know, destroyed him. And then he got he basically got sold away as a slave to a group of people. They hated him. Do you recognize that it took a long time? It took basically when those brothers were hungry and they had to go and get food. And the only place where there was food was where Joseph was in Egypt. They didn't know it was Joseph. But there had to be a great repentance. They were truly sorry for what they had done. You know, and sometimes we have to understand that people can live their lives, much of their lives, in evil and do evil things. But there is still room for forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness. And that's true for people today who need to know Jesus. Don't stop praying for people who don't know the Lord. It may take much of their life to get it figured out. Because those brothers were older. They had lived a long time. And that is where they experienced Joseph's forgiveness, God's forgiveness, repentance, and now they have fellowship with the Lord because they now said we no longer we are sorry for what we have done. And we have to recognize that everybody that we know who doesn't know Jesus needs our prayers, fervent prayer that they get it figured out. Fervent prayer. Jesus offers life. He's offering eternal life. He's offering the spiritual life, living with him forever. And go back real quick here to verse 55, and then we'll look at 56. But you don't even know him, talking about God, to the Pharisees. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be great as a liar, as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. So now that's that's a real important thing to see here. He's making a statement. He's making a statement. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. So God had, of course, informed Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, that through him all nations would be blessed. We see that in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, and Genesis 15, verses 1 to 21. Abraham had been able to see this through the eyes of faith, everybody. <clears throat> faith. He was declared righteous because of his faith. 
And David Jeremiah talked about faith this morning in one of his programs. He has several programs that runs on Sunday morning. But he mentioned the importance of faith. Faith is critical in this whole process. And he mentioned the passage, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to be in the word of God to understand what faith really is. We have to be in the word of God to make those determinations. So he's making a statement that Abraham was able to see and recognize Jesus. Jesus is coming. Did Abraham ever see Christ? Absolutely. He saw him in faith. And understand that there were several sightings that took place in Abraham's life, too. Melchizedek, you know, he had different encounters like that. He saw essentially would be the image of Christ in those encounters. And he believed in God. So he certainly saw him and you have to recognize that when God appeared, even though you couldn't see him, there were manifestations of him. That was their version of Jesus for their purposes, because Jesus was not living as a as a human being at that point. But he was present. He was there. And God revealed things to Abraham. That he didn't reveal to everybody else. And God spoke to Abraham and gave him information to help him to have this faith. And that's what we need to see here. And we have to see, understand, too, that even though people couldn't see God, if you go back to John chapter 1, verse 18, you can take a look at that real quick. Um, John 1, 18. I want to make this clear, too, because when we talk about seeing, we need to recognize that seeing is not looking in the face of God, per se. Go to John 1. This is one thing about God's word that's very consistent. Remember that no one saw God in the face. John chapter 1, and John is reiterating this in his own book here, his own passage. John 1, 18. Let me get there. No one has ever seen God. That's a very clear statement. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He has revealed him. So all those different sightings that we had, you know, the three, the three angels that visited him when they were having uh, preparing a meal for him. You know, these are manifestations of the angel, the Lord angel. Uh, these are all manifestations of Christ. They're not showing is not God in the face. That's what was being revealed to Abraham. That's when we look at these different examples in the Old Testament. That's what we're seeing here. It was the form of Jesus being manifested to everyone. Now, I'm sure not everybody's going to agree with that. I don't know if they are or not, but I'm just going back to what it says in the passage here. No one has ever seen God in the face. Because they say, if you see God in the face, you won't live. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. 
he has revealed Jesus. He revealed Jesus to Abraham. Did he ever see him? Yes, of course he did. So. And understand that Abraham, even though he died, even though that's what the Pharisees are mentioning here, he's in eternity with with the Lord himself as well. So, of course, he's seen him. And take a look at Luke chapter 20. One more passage. When we talk about why they're able to see who Jesus is. Luke 20, verse 38. And for those of you who are, just do a brief reminder, we will have a Zoom Bible study today at 5 o'clock. If I don't pass out, but we will have one. <laughs> but that's coming up at 5 o'clock, a Zoom Bible study. And we're in the book of Luke. So, But Luke chapter 20, verse 38. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, because all are living to him. And I I went over the passage right before that. Verse 37, Moses even indicated in the passage about the burning bush that the dead are raised, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, because all are living to him. He's the God of the living. So, yes, Abraham's seen Jesus. Abraham has seen the Christ. Abraham knows exactly who he is. So when Jesus makes that statement in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He rejoiced because he had faith. He saw him. He saw it and was glad. Now, verse 57, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? That's right. Jesus was not 50 years old. He was a young, a young, well, not a young adult, but he was in his 30s, right? Early 30s. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Notice how he says, I tell you the truth. You know, people can be telling you the truth all along and you just want to believe it. You have to choose to not believe it. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. I am. He existed before Abraham was born. That is a clear, unequivocal statement that showed he was divine, that he was eternal. He was indeed eternal. He existed before Abraham. He also applied God's holy name to himself. I am. We have to always go back to look at in Genesis chapter one. That's one of Brother Beecher's favorite books in Genesis. Jesus was there from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. They were all together. They spoke in a unity there. Father, son, spirit. He was there at the very beginning. And that's what John is stating at the beginning of this book. He was there from the very beginning. It's a declaration. What you're learning about the book of John is that John is declaring Jesus' deity throughout this book. His deity. That's what's happening here. That was his role in the Gospels. We can argue that the others 
had their own specific roles, and they did. But he is declaring his deity in this passage. So the Jewish leaders didn't want to hear that. They don't want to accept that. They're looking for a reason. Blasphemy is a reason for people to be killed. If you, if you blaspheme the Lord, that gave them the right, gave them the right to supposedly execute that person on sight, which that's just how they operated. That's what they did, wanted to do. And I guess my point is, is that if you're in that crowd listening to what Jesus is saying, would you believe him? Would you believe him? He's telling the truth. The law in Leviticus twenty four sixteen, they were ready for him to. They were ready to stone Jesus because he claimed to be God. And they understood exactly what he was saying at that point. But they were the blasphemers. They were the ones who were blasphemed because they didn't believe who God was. But that didn't change the fact that they hated him. They wanted him eliminated. And they wanted him eliminated because they did not want to lose their authority, their power, what they were, what they were representing. And they did not love God. You can tell that by the way they were speaking. They didn't love God. Now, let me give you a heads up on some things, too. When you're talking to people who don't know Jesus... You really need to try to not to condemn somebody if their words are not complimentary of Jesus. Because the world conditions people to say things that are anti-Christ in nature. You need to pray for those individuals and just stand on the truth. Because our world... I don't have to tell you what our world is into right now. We're into all kinds of crazy stuff. It would take it would take another 25, 30 minutes to tell you everything the world was into and still wouldn't cover everything. But we have to recognize that the world is being poisoned right now with Satan and the rhetoric and the dialogue that the last thing anybody needs to be doing is following Jesus. It's much more important to go our own way, do your own thing, live a certain way, go for broke, whatever that is. Well, they're living in blasphemy. They're blaspheming the Lord. And the Jews, these Pharisees were put on the spot by Jesus by him saying, I am before Abraham was born. I am. You got to decide what you want to do with that. You got to decide what you want to say about that. Either God is Jesus is the Lord and Savior. Or he's not. That's the statement. Either you're going to accept him. Or you're going to reject him. You got to decide. And understand whatever you decide doesn't change who he is. Doesn't change Jesus one bit. If you decide that you don't want to follow him, then that you have every right to do that. You can do that if you want to. But we as believers need to be compassionate for those individuals who don't know Jesus and pray for those people. Because they don't know what they're doing. Just like Jesus said when he was being nailed to the cross. 
Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. But even those people who were involved with persecuting Jesus and nailing him to the cross, even they had an opportunity to repent. Especially after the resurrection, when they recognize who they persecuted. You either accept it or you deny it. And there are consequences for that. But at the end of the day, we have the choice to make. And by the way, this is for everybody online too, wherever you go to church. Don't assume everybody that goes to church with you knows Jesus. Don't assume that everybody that you come in contact with, they may speak like they know him. They may talk about him, but don't assume that everybody knows there have been people in church for years in a lot of different places set up under somebody for 25, 30 years and they never declared Jesus as Lord personally. It doesn't come to you from osmosis because somebody's talking about it. You have to decide. You have to make a decision for Jesus. Pray on those things this week and beyond that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to listen to you speak to us and lord thank you for even helping to gather my thoughts as i went along because sometimes lord it's just you want to focus on one thing and it's not always that easy to do but we thank you lord for your very presence today and thank you for your teaching lord we pray that you just bless us now give us the mindset to always be prayerful for other individuals those who know you lord and those who don't Lord, we love you. We know you love us because your word says so. Lord, give us what we need to be able to function in a manner that will be beneficial to your kingdom. Always remind us, Lord, of your love for us and that we share that with others as well, too. No matter what comes back at us, we thank you, Lord, for your teaching. We thank you for your wisdom. We ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves, and we will catch up with you. Stay tuned online uh, in the Akron Alliance timeline for the message today, a history lesson. Uh, You guys take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.